The opinions of Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman don't reflect the views of Gal Media. Parental discretion is advised. KFNC Mont Bellevue, Houston, a Gal Media station. My friends are degenerates, but I never change them. Liars, cheats, and hypocrites, not the time for saving. This is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on the Blitz. Our number two, 713-780. ESPN's your number, 713-780-3776. Or you can get us on the Blitz Facebook page. Find the Blitz. Look like you're good to go. Twitter, at Fred Fowler, F-A-O-U-R, at A.J. Nope, sorry, no AJ today. At the underscore Jermaine, at Aaron is Blitz, at Degenerates975. You can text the show, you know the number for that. Watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. You know the number for that. Miss the first hour? Texans still making moves. Everybody making backup quarterback moves. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I'm really liking the flurry of activity so far. And this is supposed to be the, the free tampering period or whatever. So when they say sign them to, it's not really sign them to. They're supposed to say agreed to or will sign. But, I mean, everybody knows what's going on. Well, I mean, I think it all becomes official tomorrow, right, on the 17th, if I'm not mistaken. The opening league year. Day, yeah, whatever. tomorrow. It's tomorrow. It's, I want to say it's at like 2 or 3 o'clock hour time, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. It's always at a weird time, like in the middle of the afternoon. And everybody can go get drunk for St. Patty's Day and celebrate. So Yes. Somebody says, they're bringing players who aren't good enough to win. This is how you rebuild. You have at least two years of this. See you in 2023. First off, I don't have at least two years of this. I don't give a rat's ass about the Texans. I just, you know, we have listeners who do. And if I'm still here in 2023, it'll be a miracle. So, no, you won't see me in 2023. No, we won't. But, no, this is, I mean, this is a real simple thing. I mean, they're, they're adding a bunch of guys who may turn into something. And they're all on one-year deals. And, and, of course, that's how you – they're not rebuilding. They're not rebuilding yet. There's nothing they've done here to rebuild. This is just to restock the roster and create a little better competition at the bottom. And that's fine, but, you know, rebuilding is going to start when you actually draft people, when you actually bring in impact players. That's what uh, – you know, so, so, no, this is not what rebuilding looks like. This is what, okay, we got to try to get some guys in here who don't suck as much as the guys we had – but these aren't long-term answers. Yeah, uh, Maybe Shaq Lawson's a long-term answer. I don't know. Maybe Marcus Cannon's a long-term answer. I don't know. But there's a lot of guys that you're bringing in that you hope will become some kind of answer for you. I don't think Andre Roberts is a long-term answer as a return guy. He's 33 years old. So the point is not, well, this is how you rebuild. No, the point is this is how you try to reshape the roster knowing you're going to be bad next year. And knowing that you're probably trading Deshaun Watson. And if you do bring Deshaun Watson back, this then the rebuild process isn't starting anytime soon. So, no, this is not how you rebuild. You rebuild by stock. You know what you rebuild by? Like what the Dolphins did. You stock up draft picks and you draft well for a couple of years. You develop some guys and then you add some talent to it. Um, if you're the Browns, well, you draft for about 20 years and never get anything, and then you finally start drafting well. I mean, those are rebuilds, and, and the Texans are going to have to do that, and that's that's why it's time to get rid of Watson. So. Yeah, that, he's their only real 
live tradable asset that can fetch you back something that can help you start to restock your roster with impact players, like you just said. And unfortunately, people don't like to hear that, but I mean, it is what it is. You know, there's no way that this team is going to get better quicker by keeping him. You get better quicker by trading him. And I keep saying that to people and people keep acting like they don't want to hear that or that's that's some insane idea. It's really not. Quarterback is the toughest position to find. However, if your quarterback that you already have, that you already found, is your only way out of this hellhole that you're in, then you get rid of him and you get more players in here. Well, I'll look at it this way. You won four games with him last year. What about this roster that you look at and say, oh, you can win more than four games with him next year? No, it's not going to happen. I mean, maybe you can win five. You know, you did have a couple of games that you blew there at the end. So maybe there's five. Now, there's still... Their ceiling would be six at the Ugh. most. Yeah, I think that's a stretch. But the the, the problem is, you know, they, for all their little tinkering here and, and bringing in guys who at least would be on NFL rosters, even though they're at the bottom, they're, they're fixing the bottom of the roster is what they're doing. And that's fine. That's what you should do. Uh, fixing the top of the roster, though, is not something you're going to be able to do in this offseason. I do think there are, there's some really awesome moves that you could make, like one number one corner. Like if you do trade Deshaun to Miami and you get um, Xavier Howard, you get Xavier Howard back. That changes your entire secondary because now you have a real number one and Bradley Roby gets bumped down to number two where he's a, he's better suited for that makes you better, significantly better at two positions. Now, how many wins does that translate into? I don't know because you're, you're probably going to be starting somebody else. Probably Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. So, uh, you know, that's where one move like that can make a big difference. The problem is they're four or five moves like that away from being a competitive football team. E- easily four or five moves away from being a competitive football team. I still maintain the fact that if they end up making a trade with the Jets or the Dolphins this year for these draft picks, I think that they ought to flip that number two or number three pick into some more draft picks and continue to stockpile draft picks down the line or in this draft. And the more chances of you throwing darts at the board, the better success rate that you have. Yeah, except I I, I disagree to an extent because teams that usually trade the higher picks already have their quarterback and teams are moving up to get that guy. Uh, they need impact players. Your odds of getting an impact player at three or at five are significantly better than 15 or 16, even if you have two 15s or 16s. So to, for me, for them to be able to get the kind of players that they're going to need two, three years down the road, you know that, that's why it's so important that they make a, a, a trade that gets them a, a top five pick because they need those kind of players. And if you could trade down two spots, great, and get an extra pick. But you know, if you're going to tell me, well, you'll get 27 and 26 to move down five spots, I don't know that I'm down with that. Okay, hypothetically speaking, they make the trade with the Dolphins. You got the number three and number 18 pick. Who are you taking at number three? Well, it depends on what's coming back. Do I get Xavier and Howard back? Do I get Tua back in the deal? You get. Let's say you get... Three, 18, a second this year, a first next year, two as Xavier Howard. Okay, I also want a second next year, and I want you to take Whitney Merciless's contract. Whatever. So, yeah, I, I, then you're in the ballpark. Uh, if I have two on the roster, I'm going to give him a shot because I think uh, I think he's better than what he showed last year. And, and if it doesn't work out and you suck again next year, guess what? You'll get another quarterback. 
So I take one of the receivers with that third pick, and I give him I give him a weapon, uh, or I uh, maybe I trade down to five with the Falcons so they can. Although they're restructuring Matt Ryan's contract, so I think the Falcons looking for a quarterback thing is kind of out now. But I'm not trading down lower than seven or eight because I'd like to get one of those impact receivers. And you know, if I start with that and give two of that kind of weapon, and I've got my offensive line kind of in a good spot there, I, I think you're looking at and you know Brandon Cooks will still be here. He's decent. Uh, either Kuti or, or Randall Cobb will be your slot guy. Uh, you've got 27 tight ends. None of them are any good, but you know there's a few that are okay. There's at least some weapons around him. So that's that's where I would go because I'd want I'd want that big time. And I like Jamar Chase the best of those guys, but I would take any one of the three. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I I'm a fan of Jamar Chase, although uh, Smith, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle are way more explosive. I just like Jamar Chase's size and yeah. I don't know that I don't point. know that they are more explosive. I think it's because it's recency bias. You saw him play last year. I think people forget just how explosive Chase was. Yeah, I vividly trust yeah. me. I vividly remember what Chase did in, in 2019. I I watched a but much like ton of those games. much like the Alabama guys. There were three NFL receivers on there and, exactly. You know, and, so, and an NFL quarterback and then other NFL talent. They had it. running back, um, tight end. You know, there, it was all over the field, offensive line, but. I, I like the explosiveness a little bit more of those other two guys from Alabama simply because I think they have more of that game-breaking speed. Jamar Chase is, is fast, and he's kind of quick, and I love his ins and outs on his routes and whatnot. He's a pretty decent route runner. But if, if, if I had like a more physical receiver on the other side of Smith or Waddle, I would feel more comfortable taking them. If I don't have that physical presence at wide receiver, that big body wide receiver on the other side, I'd rather have Jamar Chase and then look for an explosive guy later on in the draft that I can possibly develop. I'll take any one of those three, uh, but I that that's I, I want my guy to have a number one receiver, and that's you know, and that's where I would start. And then the next pick is is going to the best pass rusher I can find, and with some of those other picks, if I need to to package those and move up to take. Uh, take a cornerback that that's, I think is going to be a number one. Now, if I've gotten Xavier Howard, I don't need to do that. But, you know, there there's a guy, if I could get a guy who's going to be fantastic and great, go into, a, go into next year with one of the top three cornerbacks in the league on one side and a rookie who's got that potential on the other, I'd be okay with that. Put Roby inside. But, I mean, I think that those kind of moves make your team better in several facets. And so, yeah, that I would feel like if you let me do that, draft a receiver, draft an edge rusher or a cornerback with the other pick, and then I'm going to use the rest of my picks on whatever the best best available is. You know, get try to get a decent safety, uh, to bring in another running back at some point, and then use everything else on defense because that's still the biggest mess. And you know what? That that kind of team could look a lot better next year than what we saw last year. That team could be a six or seven win team. Okay. Here's another thought. Let's say you make that trade with the Jets. And I want to say the Jets have two and 25 or 23. Does that change the way you think? Because your second pick is a little bit lower and you aren't getting like a shutdown corner and a a quarterback back that you feel comfortable with. Well, I'll I'll tell you what I'd ask for back when we return. It's the Blitz on ESPN 97.5, 92.5. 
You're listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on The Blitz. No, A.J., he'll be back tomorrow, I believe. So he doesn't die in Vegas. Um, so he's asking, what are you thinking what the Titans are doing? It looks like they're going to get Janoris Jenkins. Uh, they signed Bud Dupree, which I like. I mean, they but they paid him like he's not coming off a knee injury, which concerns me a little. But the the Titans, uh, the Titans need to do something with their defense. It was it was awful last year. I still think Mike Vrabel should not be calling the plays. Uh, but I, I like what they've done. If Dupree's healthy, that's a great signing. Yeah, I just he, I, that's he, an awful lot of money for a guy coming off a major injury. Two things with that signing. Coming off the major injury is one. But number two, he won't be playing opposite of T.J. Watt when he's in Tennessee. So that's something to consider. And Cam Hayward isn't going to be on that defensive line either. So Stephon Tewitt won't be there either. I mean, there's a ton of guys that were on that Pittsburgh defense last year that helped each other look good. T.J. Watt is one of those guys I think would look good anywhere you put him. I don't think Bud Dupree is that guy because he had a chance to show and prove previously, and he didn't. He didn't start looking really good like, okay, he's worth – where they would where they drafted him originally a few years ago until last season and then he got hurt. So I'm I just I'm really leery of that. And, and the biggest thing is I want to say it's like thirty two or so million guaranteed in the first two years of the contract. That's a lot of money to be paying a guy coming off ACL surgery who just started showing out last year in the contract year. Yeah. Um also on uh we were asked trying to figure out what the Tyrod Taylor connection was. He, uh, Pep Hamilton was in with the Chargers last year. So, yeah, there's another tie in right there. So, there you go. He's, he's, been, he's been reunited, although Pep didn't get to work with him very long because the doctor killed him. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I heard, I remember people were like calling for that doctor's head and things like that. And it's a common thing when you get that particular type of shot, unfortunately, that that type of injury could happen because there's such a small margin of error there. So let's not, you know, roast the doctor for a slight mistake. Uh, you know, I, I just watched a Law & Order UK where a doctor made a mistake that killed a girl who had a cough. So how about you don't make mistakes? Like I can make a mistake. Who cares? We go on to the next segment. True. You know, Aaron can make a mistake. He gets a B minus for the day. You're a doctor and you make a mistake. People die. Hey, at least he didn't die. He just had a punctured lung. He almost died. I mean, they call it practice for a reason. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. Anyway, I, I I'm really looking at this. Uh, of course, the doctor on Law and Order was was uh, on. He was taking codeine pills like six at a time, and that's why he messed up. So. I don't think the Chargers doctor was taking codeine pills. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is what I saw on TV on a fiction show. What so. if he was snorting coke and his hand was a little jittery and that's why he punctured the lung? It's a possibility. I mean, it is L.A. If you're not doing coke out there, you're not a doctor. Hey, I don't know anything about that scene. But uh, there's uh, interesting stuff in the draft. There's some people who think that quarterbacks will – have a run on them in the first, like, three, maybe four picks. Um, I'm looking at the latest mock draft from our buddy Lance Zerline, and he has the Falcons actually taking Pat Sertain at the number four pick. All right, that's n- not a bad – What? go ahead and give me uh, 
Give me Lance's top five. Cause. Top five, well, Trevor Lawrence, number one. He has the Jets taking Zach Wilson, number two. The Dolphins taking uh, Devontae Smith at three. Sertain, of course, with the Falcons at four. And he has the Cincinnati Burroughs taking Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, at five. Kyle Pitts. And, and Lance has been talking about Kyle Pitts. He may be the best offensive weapon in this draft. That guy is an absolute monster. And, yeah, he's he's a wide receiver who plays tight end. And, Pretty much. And I'll be surprised if, if he doesn't uh, – and, and a lot of these guys bust. I'll be surprised if he does. I mean, he is a matchup nightmare, 6'6", 240. He looks like he's going to run probably in the four fives or so in the 40. Uh, every time you saw a big play being made downfield last year with Florida or a big play, a big catch being made, like a jump ball in the end zone, it was Kyle Pitts that was making it. I mean, he made Kyle Trask look really, really good last year. And to say that this guy is that big and he's outrunning, you know, some safeties, other smaller, more coverage-style linebackers, I was really impressed with him last year. And I kept looking like, okay, maybe it's just because of this. Maybe it's just – no, he kept doing it game after game after game every year, every game last year. And so I have, at one point I was just convinced, like, okay, this guy's a really good player. So all that talk about him going top ten, I'm with it. Yeah, and okay, I, I like Lance's top five. That's because Lance is a smart. And I know he takes a lot of grief on Twitter for his uh, mock drafts, but I'll just say anyone who's giving him grief on Twitter, you're not a smart. So, um, Captain Pope was asking, is Jerome coming on today? I want to get his thoughts on, on Tyrod. No, he is, uh, he's not going to be able to make it today. I, I, I think he's got something personal against Jermaine is what it is. I, I don't know what. He likes being the only bald black guy on this show. So, whenever I'm on, he doesn't come on. He came on once when I filled in. Once. Yeah, did you guys get in a fight or something? No. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, now nah, he he's he's obviously got a lot going on, and uh, you know we'll we'll get him on at some point. So uh, I I would like to get his thoughts on it, and would like to get his thoughts on UH's uh, bracket and where they are because he uh, you know he he's kind of been ahead of the game on uh, on with, with Kelvin Sampson and those guys. So, uh, but you know what, we'll just talk about something else. Yeah, speaking of U of H and their side of the bracket. I was looking at it again last night. We talked briefly about it yesterday that that West Virginia team on that on their end of the bracket is a scare. You know, I can see that game. I wonder what the over and under would be for a West Virginia UH matchup. Because whatever it is, I'm willing to bet the under on it. Two defensive teams who struggle to score from time to time. A Bob Huggins versus a Kelvin Sampson team. The winner is going to score probably fifty-eight points. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think though. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not worried about Clemson or Rutgers. I think uh, once, once they get to that, I, I think they're making the Sweet Sixteen. What I find interesting is not just West Virginia. Uh, that San Diego State team is sneaky good too, and they may not even see West Virginia may wind up being San Diego State. Uh, and I think that's and, – and, of course, look, whenever you get in, a, in the tournament, you're going to have to go up against some teams that you know, are, are capable of beating you if you don't play your best. But I think they can beat either one of those teams. I also think they could lose to either one of them. And that, that, that's the thing that kind of scares me about Houston is when – I mean, I've seen them when they go on one of their streaks where they can't shoot the ball. 
Yes. And they could lose to almost anybody. But when they're playing their best and playing at tempo and forcing a few easy baskets and then Grimes starts hitting and Sasser starts hitting, they can play with anybody. And, and I think that, that to me is going to be, you know, obviously the deeper you get, the the more difficult the games. But uh, I think if they can get by that, then you're in, you know, you're in the Elite Eight. And probably getting to play Illinois for a chance to go to the Final Four. I think that's probably where it ends. Uh, but I'm not going to be shocked if, yeah, you know, like I know everybody's, oh, well, Illinois is playing better than anybody. They have the easiest path. I don't know. I don't know if they have the easiest path if they wind up having to play Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State is an underseeded four. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one because they, that team is so talented. And Cade Cunningham is just, he's an absolute monster. I mean, the kids' game is really nice, smooth, and fluid. Um, uh, uh, somewhat reminds me a little bit of what Brandon Roy used to be before his knees went to hell. Um, Cause ju- he just has a real fluid, smooth game where it's really fun to watch him play because of his fundamentals and whatnot. But that West Virginia team is giving up way more points than what I thought. They're actually averaging giving up about 72 points a game. And I thought, you know, their defense was a lot better than what it was, but um that's an interesting bracket because you also have, you know, the lovable, plucky Loyola Chicago team who's going to get drilled if they get past, if they get well, past I, Georgia I, Tech. I, I mean, Georgia Tech is playing really well right that's now. That's why I said if yeah. they get past Georgia Tech. And I, I think, uh, you know, that that's a team that, you know, Illinois should beat, but it's not like that's going to be a gimme. I think I could see Georgia Tech throwing a scare into them. And I, I think if Oklahoma State gets that far, I could see them throwing a scare into them. But – don't don't get me wrong. If I'm picking a bracket, I'm picking Illinois. I think they're one of the, you know, it, it, they seem to have the easiest path. Well, I know Gonzaga has the easiest path, but you know they seem to have a relatively easy path. That doesn't mean they're going to get there. It doesn't mean they're not going to have a game where they don't play their best and they run into Georgia Tech, who does, or Oklahoma State. So you know, I, I'm I mean, I as a UH fan, I'd be thrilled with an Elite Eight appearance. I think that'd be awesome. And if they were to somehow get to the Final Four. That now, now that that would be amazing, but yeah, Illinois with Coburn and Somu, that that team is that team is really 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 scary because they have a really good inside outside presence that I tend to favor because when you're too heavily reliant on an inside presence like Iowa with Garza, or you're you know the NCAA tournament is notorious for guard heavy teams being able to win and be effective. But their inside-outside game is really, really nice. And I tend to favor that more than, you know, what some of these other teams have to offer. And when you got two really good players like they, they have that's playing at this high level, especially with him coming back and his whole, like, demeanor after the concussion and the facial injury with the mask and all of that, he's, like, brought himself up another level, you know, right at the right time of the year for the Illinois team. So I really look forward to watching them go at it. Yeah, and then when I the the one region I look at, like I think Michigan is to me the weakest of the one seeds. Like I think LSU could give them a give them a scare in the second round, uh, and then once they get past that, uh, you know, I I think uh, just depends on who comes out of that other end of the bracket, whether it's Texas or Alabama. Uh, I think Alabama is uh, Alabama's scary good, and I think that's a team that that could beat them. Yeah, if LSU, if Cam Thomas gets hot and Darius Days, you know, shows up and plays and, and is mentally into the game, 
he's he's one of those like a six seven two fifty type of uh two hundred fifty pound power forward guys that you know can kind of score on the inside. Uh, Javante Smart is another veteran uh, guard that LSU has. They could really give um, Michigan some problems, especially because Livers is out. Um, and if they get into foul trouble again, like they did against Ohio State, and they're coming up short in key moments, that could be the first number one seed to take a loss in this tournament for sure. Well, I'll tell you, number one seed who almost never loses, Lawyer Dave. And uh, if you've been in any kind of accident, if you were Tyrod Taylor and your doctor messed up your shot, Lawyer Dave's the guy to call. What's up, buddy? Hey, Fred. Hey, Blitzer. That's me, Lawyer Dave, the axe man. I'll chop them down to size. I don't care how big they think they are. If you get in any kind of an accident anywhere, at a factory, at a shopping mart, at a doctor's office, in a car or with an 18-wheeler crashing in you. Hit me up at 713-626-8900, and I'll help you out. Yeah, and not only that, doesn't charge a dime for consultation. So if you have any legal question, you can call him. And if it's not something he does, he'll get you with somebody who can help you. And uh, if, if it is something he does and he takes your case, you're not paying a dime until you win. That's exactly how it works. If you call me with a legal question and I don't know the answer, I'll send you to somebody who does. But if you have a legal question that's in an area that I practice, which is personal injury, I'm darn sure going to help you. And like Fred said, if you need a doctor and you don't have the ability to pay for one, I'll get you to one without any money up front. If you don't have a way to get there, I'll get you a ride back and forth. I'll do what I can to help you, Blitzers. I'm part of the Blitzer family. And not only that, he practices all over the state. So if you're in the Golden Triangle or you're in San Antonio or Nacogdoches or even El Paso, Lawyer Dave will work for you. <laughs> you bet. I go nationwide. That's all of Texas. That's what I got to say, brother. <laughs> all right. Uh, tell them again how they can get in touch with you. You can hit me up at 713-626-8900 or email me at lawyerdave.com or tweet me at lawyerdavelaw or find me to my friend Fred. We'll get that handle for you one way or another, guys. All right. If they need a lawyer, what do they do? They had better dial Dave. She checking tiles and checking candles. Left the kids just like the president. When she clipped my wheels, doing it with purpose. Yet and still it feels so accidental. This is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on The Blitz. 713-780. ESPN's your number, 713-780-3776. So uh, USA Today did the five worst deals from yesterday. The first day of free agency. Mm-hmm. See if you agree with them. Uh, Bengals signed Trey Hendrickson for $60 million over four years. Yeah, wasn't real thrilled about that one either because he's not going to have Cam Jordan, Malcolm Brown, and all those guys next to him on that defensive front. And the Saints, uh, they did a really good job of rotating their defensive line in and out the game, the ends and tackles. So you're not going to have all that talent next to you on that defense. That's going to be rough on him. Uh, Viking signed Dalvin Tomlinson for $22 million over two years. Mm. Not as upset with that one because it's only two years. I'd have to look at what the guarantees are on that deal to go from there, but eh, 
not not really upset at that one. That was not too too bad. Yeah, th- this is one where even I was like, really, you were bidding against yourself on this guy. Patriots signed Nelson Aguilar for twenty six million over two years. That one shocked the hell out of me when I saw that. When I saw they signed him, I was like, oh okay, Bill Belichick is obviously trying to you know get some weapons in there. He's hoping that he can do something with this guy. When I saw it was two years, twenty six million, I was like, what the hell is he doing? That was insane. There's no way a guy who's as unsure-handed as Nelson Aguilar should get anywhere remotely close to what they gave him. Uh, Rams re-signed Leonard Floyd for $64 million over four years. Idiotic. Totally stupid. The Rams are just throwing all sorts of money and draft picks just trying to see what they can do to try to get back to another Super Bowl. And it's going to catch up with them eventually. Uh, Packers re-signed Aaron Jones for $48 million over four years. Uh Listen, I like the guy. I'm not paying running backs that kind of money. I, I, mean, I don't care who you are at this it, stage. The only good thing I would say about that is they didn't pay him that top end Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, $15, $16 million a year range. He's about three, four million less than those guys on a per year average. So it's not totally stupid. It's just a little, little much, is what I'll say to that one. All right. 713 780 ESPN Jacob S. Should the Texans bring in Dez to help out Tyrod Taylor? He's the cheapest option out there. I you know, I don't know if Dez can still play. Um and, and you know, it's really he, he he was okay at times last year, but I, I I don't really see him as a viable option anymore. And I I want to see what they do at that position because they definitely need something. And if if they if they were a team that was going to be good next year, I'd much rather spend the money on Galladay more, more so than Will Fuller. Here, here's the thing. Des Bryant had a hard time getting open before his exile or whatever from football. After the, the Achilles injury with the Saints last year and then coming back and trying to play with the Ravens this year and he's older, what makes you think he's going to be able to get open now? He's older and he's coming off of a year away from recovering from a significant injury. Why receivers need to be able to get open in order to catch passes. He can't do that anymore. So let's just stop, you know, relying on Des Bryant as a somewhat reliable NFL receiver. Well, at this point, he's just a name. And that that's what happens in, in sports when guys are kind of done and everybody thinks, oh, well, what if he brought in this guy? He's just a name. He's not really a player anymore. He's just like and, David Johnson. He's still living off of 2016. And yeah, except the the difference is even David Johnson, as ineffective as he was, was still a better player than Des last year. Yep. So that's uh, yeah. I mean, at this point, and if you're the Texans, there's no point in bringing in a guy who's old and just a name who can't really play anymore. I mean, you 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 want to bring in guys who might develop into something that you might be able to keep. And realistically, you know, there's not a lot of those out there. But, yeah, you, you shouldn't be in the market for guys who are done. So, Yeah, I don't think that's a wise idea. Though those some of the, A lot of those contracts were, like, really puzzling to me. Another one that the Patriots did was they signed Jonu Smith to the, uh, what was it, four years, $50 million, 31.25 guaranteed, and backdoor today and signed Hunter Henry, three years, $37.5 million. I want to say it's like 20-something guaranteed. I get it that he wants to try to run this two tight end system like he had previously, but to spend roughly ever on average 25 million a year at the tight end position, that's a little crazy. 
the Judon signing that they made, four years, $56 million, $32 million guaranteed, not too mad at that. You're going to pay roughly about 18, you know, 15 to 18, 20 million a year for a, a decent pass rusher or defensive rush in. Um, but just some of the money that Belichick gave out, Aguilar, John U. Smith, with the John U. Smith signing wasn't as bad, but when you backdoor and sign Hunter Henry to a similar contract the next day, that's where it kind of gets insane. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I don't understand signing both of them, although Henry, Henry's been hurt and, you are kind of taking a chance by signing him, but if you have both those guys, that's the kind of offense that they like to run, uh, and that's more important maybe than having a bunch of good receivers. But and I mean Nelson Aguilar is not a good receiver. No, I guess that's just a speed guy that you can spread it out, so that opens it up for Edelman and those two guys. But I, I hope I don't know if that's worth thirteen million. That's all. It's it's just way too much for a guy who's not as high caliber. I mean. You could have spent a little bit more money and, and went got a Will Fuller. You know, if you would have offered Will Fuller that same contract, would he have taken it? I mean, you pay a little bit more money. You say, Kenny Galladay, hey, I'll give you $15, 16000000 million instead of giving uh, Aguilar $13 million. Would you take it? You know, there are other quality guys out there they could have spent similar or maybe spent a little bit more on and would have been better off with as opposed to. Yeah, I, I, I'm, still not on the, I'm still not on the Will Fuller bandwagon until he can stay healthy in a year where he's not juicing. Uh, I, I'm not spending big money on that guy. And now Kenny Galladay, I will spend big money on. Yes. I like Kenny Galladay's game. He's a big frame guy. And I tend to favor bigger wide receivers over the smaller guys. And I like to have a bigger wide receiver on this, on, on the, as my number one, uh, simply because they're, they're more physical. And in a pinch, you can count on that guy to catch a tough ball against a nine times out of 10 smaller DB. You know, there aren't too many six, two, six, three, six, four, uh, cornerbacks out there that's covering these guys. So nine times out of ten, these guys that are like Galladay's size, you know, 6'4", about 215, 220, you know, they're they're out physical. They can out physical some of these smaller DBs. I tend to favor those guys as opposed to a guy like an Aguilar who's like barely six foot, 180, 90 pounds or whatever, or Will Fuller who's a slight guy as well. Uh, the only way I see those guys working out is when you have that big body wide receiver on the other side and you have the speed guy on the other side. Um, talked about that a lot with a buddy of mine who played in the league, and we're both thinking the same thing. You know, we tend to favor the bigger wide receivers over the smaller guys. Mm, so it's a size thing is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, size matters, that wide receiver. Doesn't doesn't uh, shock me. I, I think uh, the, the only way I'd want Will Fuller back, and, and somebody was asking on Twitch, if I could get him on a one-year deal, on a one-year prove-it deal, that's less than what he would have been franchised for, then I might bring him back. But then, again, what's the point? Uh, I mean, this team is not going to be very good. If you sign him, uh, then, then he does. Let's say, let's say for the first time in his life, he stays healthy and doesn't get suspended and winds up having a monster season. And you're going to have to pay him a whole bunch of money next year. And, yeah. and I just, I, I, I don't really see him ever doing that. It could happen. I could definitely see it happen because if this team is going to be as bad as we predicted it's going to be, they're going to be behind a lot, which means they're going to be throwing the ball a lot, which means he can rack up a bunch of garbage time stats. It also means he's uh, the more often that he's getting the ball thrown to him, the more likely he is to blow a hammy. True. It could go either way. All right. Hey, I got to tell you guys on the way out here, it's that time again, ESPN 97.5's third annual Bracket Madness, presented by Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade, supported by New Breaks, Seaforce Water, and Dr. Linville with Hair Specialist Houston. We'll be giving prizes to 97 and a half winners, and it's all free to register. 
Please include a custom uh, prize. Include a custom Texas mattress makers mattress, gift cards to Quick Quack Car Wash, Pitch Twenty Five, Heights Beer Garden, Holman Draft Hall, and many more. Head to ESPN975.com to register now. Deadline is this Friday at noon. It's Bracket Madness presented by Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade, bubbly, bold, packed with lemonade flavor. Listening to the Blitz on ESPN 97.5 and on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Fred Fowler and AJ Hoffman, and we're back on the Blitz. Join us at Over Under Sports Bar in Webster this Friday to kick off our third annual Bracket Madness, presented by Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade, supported by Seaforce Water and Dr. Linville with Hair Specialist Houston. Wear your college team's colors to get $1 off domestic drafts. They'll have $12 domestic pitchers, half price select appetizers, and $1 off Texas vodkas when a Texas team is playing. So stop by and see us as we broadcast live all day from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at Over Under Sports Bar in Webster this Friday. And don't forget to register your free bracket at ESPN975.com. Looking forward to getting back down there. Uh, we were at Over Under kind of uh, early in the – in the. Uh, that was like the first place we went back to when yeah. we got off a of lockdown and really enjoyed it down there. Have a lot of friends and family in, in the area. So uh, looking forward to getting down there. Speaking of the bracket challenge, I wanted to throw this one out there at you. We were talking about the brackets earlier and, you know, number one seeds, who's this threat and so on and so forth. In Gonzaga's bracket, who do you see in that bracket on either side, top or bottom, anywhere in that bracket is their biggest threat to lose before getting to the final four? Uh, see, I, I just, I don't, I don't really see anybody getting to them. Uh, I think, um, gun in your head, you have to pick somebody. Uh, I mean, I, there's nobody on their side of the bracket that scares me. I think Oklahoma, if, if this were a month ago, I might make a case. Uh, I don't even know what Virginia's going to be. Uh, I, there's a couple of teams that, I think are interesting on the other side, like Oregon, I think is kind of interesting, but this, there really isn't a team in this bracket that I look at and say, Oh yeah, they can, they can beat the Zags. I, I mean, I mean, not even Iowa. I, I always already played them once and got killed. I mean, I, I was a terrible two seed. There's just maybe Kansas. I don't know. I mean, I know I, I, I look at that bracket and to me, that's an easy one. Just Gonzaga all the way to the final four. Yeah. I Every would- other bracket I can, I have a few teams, that I think could cause problems for like Michigan. I, I like, I, I honestly, I think LSU, uh, held Georgetown's a little scary. Florida state could beat Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and then on that other end of the bracket, I think Texas or Alabama could, I, I, I mean, I think those are, those are all legitimate, uh, teams that could, could give them trouble and, and beat them in Baylor's bracket. I mean, Villanova lost its best player, but, um, if, if it gets far enough, I mean, don't be shocked if Texas Tech makes a run here. And I also think Ohio State's pretty damn good. So I, I think I, I think Baylor's got an e- a relatively easy path, but they need to play like the Baylor they were earlier in the year and not the Baylor they've been since they came back from the Rona break. Yeah, they've been in the fog lately, big time. Um, I think we talked about Illinois in the Midwest bracket earlier that, um, oh gosh, you said Oklahoma State was their biggest threat. 
in their bracket. Uh, we said U of H might have a chance to do it, but I just think U of well, H. Well, I, get- I also think Georgia Tech's not going to be an easy out for them uh, in in the second round, and so I I mean I think I actually think well I think Illinois is maybe playing better than anybody not named Gonzaga right now. I also think that their bracket's a little tougher early on because. Uh, if you have to get Georgia Tech in the second round, that's that's not an easy out. And if you wind up playing an Oklahoma State team, that's not an easy out. Uh, and then once you get past that, I think you're looking at San Diego State, West Virginia, or Houston, and by then they should be fine. But, I mean, I, I, I could see one of those teams jumping up and biting them. Yeah, Georgia Tech with reigning ACC Player of the Year, Moses Wright, is, is a really good team. I watched them in the ACC tournament a couple times this past weekend, and I really like that team. Uh, Tennessee may be sneaky if they get to that point, uh, but I don't think they're going to get past Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, U of H. I think U of H, if they make it all the way to the Elite Eight against Illinois, I think that's where the, the, the party stops for them because I don't think they can stop Col- Cockburn on the inside. 713 with a real good point. Gonzaga could only lose to Team Rona. Yeah, if you want to be, if you want to get them out, that's the way to do it. Uh, they're going to have to get Ronad. Now, I think they've already been Ronad this year. I think they've been Ronad. Baylor's been Ronad. Houston's entire team had it, so I think the Cougars are safe. So, yeah, if you're you're rooting for some upsets, root for Team Rona. You're going to have to, especially with Gonzaga, because it's, it's tough to try to pick someone to beat them. It's almost like the committee set it up for them to have an easy path to get to the Final Four. Well, your number one overall seed, you should have the easiest path. That's just true. True, but it, they, they seem like they just made it a, a cakewalk for them, which would be a good, interesting story heading into the Final Four. They're still undefeated. You know, can they do it? Can they take it all the way? And will we have our first undefeated NCAA champion since the, the Hoosiers did in, what, 76? Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the Zadok Jewelers Gym of the Day. The Gym of the Day. It's the Gym of the Day. The Zadok Jeweler Gym of the Day. All right, uh, we go to the great state of Texas, which, by the way, I've had a bunch of Texas stories now that are very similar to Florida. So I, I don't know if I want to blame this on all the new people moving from these other states, or maybe just during the Rona, we've started to suck here. But uh, Eric Dion Warren, a 50-year-old Texas man, was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison. And uh, he's a bank robber. So here's what he did. Uh, he ordered, uh, entered aim bank. Did in, he do it naked? No, no, oh. no. Just, just wait for it. In Wolforth, Texas, he approached one of the tellers and placed a paper fast food bag and a demand note on the counter, which read, this is an effing robbery. Play with me and die. I want 10,000 in 50 and $100 bills. Now you got one minute or I will kill you. He then pulled out what appeared to be a handgun and said, I ain't playing around. I only want one hundreds and fifties. The teller gave Mr. Warren money from her drawer, including strapped $20 bills with recorded serial numbers. But by, you can't trust these tellers, man. They do that. Uh, after the teller placed some money in his bag, he said, don't push any buttons, and then fled the scene with several thousand dollars in currency. Uh, the interesting part is the getaway car, which was a uh, BMW that he had on a test drive. He immediately drives back to the BMW dealership, waving the stolen cash, putting $3,000 down as a down payment. Not wise, guys. While in the finance office finalizing the deal, they received a phone call informing them of the robbery. 
and an employee realized that the vehicle used in the robbery matched the vehicle the dealership had loaned to Mr. Warren. He was arrested and had $5,086 in cash on him. So if, if you're going to go test drive a vehicle, here's a PSA. Don't rob a bank with the vehicle that you're trying to buy. See, I, I would. here's what I would do, and, and not that I encourage bank robbery. Uh, I'm, I'm against it. But, I mean, it's a bank. They have insurance. So I would go and, and like, test drive a Kia, like a Kia Sorento or something like that. Rob the bank with the Kia. Take the Kia back and say, ah, this isn't for me. Then go buy a BMW. How would Can that you- be smarter? Yeah, I need some elaboration on that. I, I'm not. Yeah, because they, they called the dealership saying this car was used to rob us. So they call the Kia dealership, and I use the name Jermaine Every. I'm safe. You know what? It, I, I don't. I don't know about that one, Fred. I, I like the old school way. You 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 carjack somebody. You go and rob the bank. You burn the car. You get another vehicle. Uh, no carjacking. Old school. No, car carjacking is, is unacceptable. You you don't be taking somebody else's car. You know, if, you, if you're going to go rob a bank, because you know what? And, and in Texas, frankly, probably getting shot if you carjack somebody. I guarantee if you try to carjack me, I'm going to get a shot or two off. Oh, of course. I mean, you could always just steal a car, hotwire it. Why are you, why are you going stealing cars? This, this, this is more, listen, if you're going to be a, a scumbag, at least be a decent scumbag. Okay. So go out and test drive a car, go rob the bank that way. Don't be stealing somebody's if car. If I'm going to be a scumbag, I'm going to be the best scumbag I can be. This is 2021. Can we leave behind the 1930s of Pretty Boy Floyd and Babyface Nelson? Like, you're not going to successfully rob a bank with all the cameras and things listening to you at all points of your life from here on out. It's it's over with. You, you want to go like, back you, and you do that? Build your own time machine. You can't, but- you can't be a serial killer anymore either. CCTV gets you every time. I mean, but bank robbery is even dumb. Can we just dream? You can dream. I, I don't have any interest in being a bank robber. And I damn sure ain't buying a BMW if I do. No offense, BMW. <laughs> just wait for Westworld to open, and then you can go rob as many banks as you want there. That'd be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that works. Yeah, well, anyway, that's your Zadok Jewelers Gym of the Day. The Gym of the Day. It's the Gym of the Day. Jeweler, gem of the day. I don't want to say anything, but this guy starts going carjacking and ripping off people's cars. What? Yeah. I was going to say. There was another story that there was a gym candidate that I liked that Aaron put on the rundown. Well, we can get to it. We've been sportsy enough. All right. Yeah, all right. Raj brings up the ex-presidents would use stolen cars to rob banks. They did. Did they steal that helicopter, too? Or that airplane? I think I, so. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I my, my memory of that movie is clouded by the fact that I watched the stupid remake on an airplane. Oh. Yeah. All right. Quick break. It's a Blitz on ESPN 97.5, 92.5.